square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome once again, friends, and you are my friends to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is Steve Fielder, your host, as usual, along with my sidekick, Keston Jesse. And we have a special guest tonight, that a guy that I always enjoy catching up with. Uh, got to record a little with him at Autumn Oaks this year and always enjoy his YouTube channel. This is a guy that goes out and gets the good dogs, the good guys, and all puts them up there on the screen where we can enjoy it from home. Clayton Stark from Stark Outdoors. How are you, Clayton? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing good. Kest, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Trying to stay dry. It's rained all day here. Still right. Yeah. Well, we never talk about the weather on this this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, we've been having Chamber of Commerce weather here in Florida lately. It's been a little cool at night, up bumping on 80 in the daytime, and just great, just great time. And this is kind of our going to be our Christmas uh, episode um, because uh, this is going to air on the 19th, and uh, the Gone to the, the Gone to the Dogs podcast comes out on Mondays. So uh, uh, this will be the last Monday that we'll get to. Uh, uh, talk about Christmas, and uh, I'm I'm excited about Christmas. I always get excited about Christmas, but for different reasons. When I was a kid, of course, the usual stuff, you know, what's what am I going to get? But now it's just, you know, I enjoy the family and the friends and the lights and the kicking back and always the food. You know, how about you guys? What are you looking forward to Christmas, Clayton? Yeah, I. It's different now that I got kids. Yeah, it's, means a little bit more and kind of along the hunting side of things. <clears throat> I've always enjoyed this time of year. It's where I live. It's rough because it's usually really cold and icy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But usually that means you have the woods to yourself and it's really calm and still. So you got a good place to go, kind of get away and listen to the dogs work. And if you can tree a coon in this type of weather this time of year, you got a good dog. So it's, and yeah. it gets dark at five o'clock, so you don't have to be out all night. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Keston, you got three young ones at home. They getting fired yeah. up for Christmas? Oh, yeah. The worst thing, the only thing I don't like about Christmas is going to all these different places and having to bring all these toys home they get. It's crazy. They get stuff from <laughs> everywhere we go. It's, I mean, they open presents for two weeks after Christmas, just trying to get them all open. All the aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and all that stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's well, you pack your house up pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't have any little ones. The youngest <coughs> one I have is my granddaughter in Chicago, and she's seven. I won't be with her this year. Wish I could, but uh, but yeah, it's a great time for all that stuff. You know, Clayton, you mentioned something there. You know about. Uh, the time of year in the woods and being quiet and things kind of settle down at this time of year. I always remember uh, hunting in Michigan all those years that I did. Had some beautiful hunting up there. And there's a lot of the classic farms up there, you know. Uh, pretty good sized plots of ground, uh, a lot of row crops grown and all that. And, and the farmhouse would be sitting out there in a little grove of trees, maybe back a lane from the 
from the what we call the hard road and you'd see the Christmas lights and yeah. all those things. And I'd be out there <laughs> shivering, <laughs> waiting <laughs> on a dog to finish a track or maybe check in and look yeah. out across the fields and see those lights and all. And it's just a feeling of home, you know. And yeah. It's just a great time of year. And uh, I know for some it's a sad time as they miss the people that have been in their lives and certainly in our coon hunting community we've lost uh, uh i guess it's probably been a typical year where we've lost several people that we've known or met or heard of but uh we'll take this real quick opportunity just to wish everybody out there uh that's listening a very merry christmas you'll be hearing this first on monday the 19th before christmas and, and just hope you have a great time with your family and your friends and and the kids, and you eat way too much, and watch some football, and uh, and all that, and hopefully coon hunting will come into the picture for you. <laughs> Clayton, it's such really a, a joy to have you on the podcast today, and before we get into our main subject that we've kind of picked to talk about tonight, I want you to tell me a little bit about what's going on with your YouTube channel. Uh Right now, it's been a little bit slow. This last week, I didn't have a video up because my whole family had the flu, oh, and I nice. didn't think it'd be—I mm-hmm. didn't think it'd be a good idea to go get with anyone and get other people sick. So I didn't go hunting. I went hunting by myself, but <clears throat> I didn't go out with anyone else. But mm-hmm. the next video I'm going to be making, I'm going to uh, Deer and Ridge's place tomorrow and hunt with his English dog, the Uncle Cracker dog. That'll be the next video I'm making. Yeah. And then I'm debating, I, I'm going to try and get with the jukebox kennel guys and do kind of a combo dog video showing some squirrel hunting. And if they got dogs, they want to coon hunt. I'm sure they do. I'll go coon hunting with them too. And then I actually got together with Birchall and he had a chili dinner. It was the Saturday after Thanksgiving where he invited, he probably invited about 50 people and about 30 to 40 people showed up that just local coon hunters in the Northwest Ohio area. And he had a bunch of food out in his pole barn. It was really neat. I got to sit down with a bunch of guys and just talk coon hunting. And then afterwards, a bunch of us got together and we had five or six frogger pups that we hunted. And then end of the night, taking frogger out with a six month old pup that Birchall has right now. That's treeing his own coon at six months old. And is yeah that'll be my chris that'll be my christmas special yeah well that's great man what a lineup you know and that's kind of the the reason i wanted to get with you right now is because uh you know we want to talk about the frogger dog and i know that you had taken this trip and have actually hunted with him and and uh and i wanted to kind of set that up just a little bit but um you uh you know you mentioned uh uh well there was something you mentioned just now that really rang a bell with me, but uh, it seems like it's left me. Uh, I've got a lot going on on my personal plate right now, just getting back from the White River in Arkansas, and that's always a lot of fun. And we were out there. Uh, we cut it short a little bit this year. We normally go about eight or nine days, uh, seven or eight days, but uh, had a great time with that. Just just a lot of stuff going on, but uh, 
We uh, oh, you mentioned uh, the jukebox bo uh, boys, and that uh, I've spoken with Chuck Gaetto about doing a podcast in the future, and we hope to do that too. But I'm looking forward to you going to get with those guys and and yeah. all that'll be great. And uh, if you if you leave any any crumbs on the table, I may I may come <laughs> along and try to sweep up a few. But uh, that'll be a, that'll be a great podcast for sure. I always visit with Chuck every year at Autumn Oaks and. Always, what a great guy, and really enjoy him and the success that he's had with his dogs and all. And uh, I, I think he probably sells out as quickly of those cur puppies at Autumn Oaks yeah. as, as Ray Conrad does with those bright eyes lights. <laughs> he, he gets uh, gets yeah. rid of them pretty quick. Keston, before we get into this thing, when we're going to talk today, our focus for the this podcast is what I call the Frogger phenomenon. Uh, this this dog that's kind of sweeping the nation, and I think a lot of it may have to do with the attention that you've given him, Clayton, uh, through your channel and through your activities. But uh, Keston, uh, how did we? Well, I know. I believe you were the one that kind of prompted me that you wanted this Frogger pup, weren't you? Yeah, the first time I heard or seen Frogger was on Clayton's YouTube channel, and I wanted a puppy out of him from the first time I watched the video. And uh, then I seen Randy Smith was breeding to him, and I knew Listeners, I had to have uh, one. should know that Keston got a puppy last year from <laughs> Randy Smith out of uh, Sean uh, Burden's Cooney Valley pack dog and Randy's uh, Lone Pine Jillian female. And no, no, uh, Lone Pine Fran female is what uh, Clyde's out of, right? And uh, yeah, and has had a heck of a good uh, ride with him. He's about, I guess, 16 months old now. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, well, you know, I worked with AKC uh, for about, seven years, I guess that was my last job. And uh, of course we tried to build up that AKC world championship and uh, had some good years with it. And I'm sure the numbers are not as good today as they have been, but I think maybe was that, well, Frogger's first, let, let's back up and set the stage on this. And you help me with this Clayton, cause you know, this, dog and all better than than I do for sure. He's owned by Birchell Davis, right? Yep. Birchell mm -hmm. lives in Ohio, right? Yeah, he lives about 15 minutes from me, actually. I see. And what part of Ohio is that? Uh, the Defiance, Ohio yeah. area. Northwest. Northwest Ohio. Good coon hunting country up there, mm -hmm. for sure. Kind of flat ground. Yeah, yeah. Went to court one time in Defiance County at the courthouse when I was with UKC. <laughs> well, we won't go into all that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's some good hunting up there. We held a world hunt in Van Wert. We held a world mm -hmm. hunt in Lima. Um, so that's all great coon hunting territory up there. Well, what, as far as background, and I wanted to get a call in to Birchall and talk to him a little bit about this, but this kind of opportunity kind of came up all of a sudden here for us with a podcast. But uh, what about the history of Frogger that you know, Clayton? How much do you know about his history? I know that Eric Pyatt handled him. Uh, 
yep. when he won the AKC World Hunt. But I think he, had he won the Super Stakes before that? Yeah, he won the PKC Super Stakes. I know that. Right, right. I do too. Uh, do you know anything about um, how Birchall came up with the dog and all? Did he raise him or was he a puppy that he bought or what? Yeah, I uh, I interviewed him on my podcast and a yeah. lot of that's on there too if people want to check that yeah, out. Yeah, let's and, give them uh, – uh, so it will clarify a lot of this, my stumbling around here. That What did you title that podcast or when it was it published or how did they get it, access to that? Um, there, It's on YouTube and also Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all those platforms. It's – the Stark Outdoors podcast, and I think it's uh, Birchall Davis is the title, and AKC World Champ. It's like the whole title of Frogger, and that's how you can find it. But yeah, yeah Birchall owns him, and and the videos I've made and the podcasts I've done with him, he goes into detail. And I want to thank him for letting me film his dogs, and now I'm hunting a young dog off of Frogger for him, and I just want to thank him for letting me kind of show because. You'd mentioned that a lot of people have heard of this dog because of me. And I feel like the only thing I really did was go show what the dog does. Like, mm -hmm. I think the, the biggest emphasis should be on Frogger because like you guys know, like I get together and hunt with a lot of people and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't brag up any one in particular dog, I but understand. I, I've, <laughs> I try to watch what I say cause I don't want to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings, but I, that Frogger dog just still blows my – every time I see him go and listen to him open up in the woods, he blows my mind. He's the – one of the loudest he, – he's exactly what I would want in a hound. He – like where you turn him loose, he hunts where you turn him loose, and he has got one thing on his mind, and that's just treating a coon fast. He's not worried about other dogs. He's not going to uh, back another dog. He's – He's just worried about getting his own coon fast and the pups I've seen out of him. And I was already impressed anyways, with just his ability. And now he's, I believe he's four years old now. So you're starting to see some of the pups out of him starting to come of age where they're starting to do some winning and start doing stuff on their own. And he's what I've seen. His pups are exactly what I would want to. And you'll see in that my Christmas special, that six month old pup that he has, he has like the same color collar on that pup as he does Frogger. And it's like he cloned himself with that pup. Like I've seen other dogs, like you breed them, they might get some traits, but it seems like I've been with in the woods with a lot of different pups out of Frogger from different bloodlines of females. And they all seem to have a very similar look and sound to them. Mm -hmm. And I like the, the pup I got here now, he's 10 months old and is treeing on his own. And what I like about him, obviously the way he looks, the way he sounds, but when I turn him in a loot in a loose in a woods, it could be a little patch section. He's going to comb that entire woods and tree one. He's not going to blow through it. I mean, he's going to hunt where you, where you turn him and, and he's going to get tree quick. He now he's 10 months old. 10 now. months. And what yep. female is he out of? I think he said a hillbilly deluxe female. Mm -hmm. I got you. I got you. Well, this, uh, this, Frogger phenomenon, as I as I refer to it, hinges a lot on the dog's mouth. I think that's what's drawn most people 
or at least that's been his calling card. You know, that's been the thing that uh, has opened a lot of people's eyes and and asked, uh, I mean, and influenced them to want to breed to the dog. I was on the phone last night. Well, I got a call from Randy Smith there in Lone Pine Kennels. Randy and I talk often. And uh, he was on the way over to Birchall's uh, to pick up his uh, 2016 UKC World Champion Biffy Sue female that has recently been bred to Frogger. And uh, I know that, uh, of course, the pup that Keston and I have are is out of the Jillian female that uh, Randy has, and Jillian is out of Bone Collector, Seaman, and Sue. So it's kind of a, a close deal there. But I think uh, Keston and I, we had to go get two co-signers and, uh, <laughs> and sign a note. Uh, to get, to get our frogger pup, they're not cheap, but <laughs> no. they say that uh, you know you get what you pay for. So, but so yeah. far we we've kind of uh, been real pleased. But I I don't want to talk about her just yet. I want to I want to talk more about you. Okay, you you went hunting with Frogger. Uh, did did Birchall just turn him loose by himself? Was that uh, yeah the the first time I hunted the Frogger, it was about a year ago, and I believe it was in mid to late December when I hunted with him. And you know, hunting in this area, what that can be like. Like it's oh, yeah. going to be a lot of lot of dens. You might end up in someone's barn or in a hole, or there's just nothing. Only only thing dumb enough to be outside when it's like that is me. <laughs> it seems like, but we went hunting. It was about a year ago in December, and I've known Birchall for a while and I was hearing a lot about his dog and I wanted to see him go and he turned him loose five times that night and he treed five open singles by himself. In so December I, in Northwest in, Ohio. Yeah. yeah. That, and, that creates a flashback for me. Uh, I've been a plot man most all of my life. And uh, back in about 2001, I kind of surprised a lot of my buddies and uh, you know, probably my dad too, by buying a Walker female. And I bought a pup, uh, and uh, she was out of Silver Dollar Stone, who had won the PKC World Championship. And uh, the all time money leader at that time, Chris Allen, uh, handled uh, the uh, Mill Creek Molly female. So as those pups got to be about a year and a half old, thereabout, we decided it'd be kind of fun to have a, a Stone and Molly invitational hunt and invite all these pups out of the slitter. And we did it at Onstead, Michigan, at the Onstead Club up there, which is not that far from you, uh, really. And uh, Mike Lennon was there at that time. Mike has since passed away. Uh, a dear friend that I, I really miss. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, you know, we were able to have Stone there. Daryl Newton was not there, but uh, they brought Stone up, and Chris Allen was there with Molly, and I had my Kelly female. We had a couple other pups that were out of We didn't get all the litter. 
But we hunted two nights, and it was in February, and the, and coon season was still in 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 Michigan. But it was, uh, it was all the swamps were frozen over. There was snow on the ground. Uh, it was, you know, the wind wasn't howling and and blowing forty miles an hour or anything like that. But it was cold, and it was the time of year that contest a dog. And uh, we turned Stone loose seven times in two nights, and he treated seven coons. And the only bobble I saw him make was one time he did set up a tree and didn't quite roll it over, and then he moved, and he went on. And when he locked it down that time, he stayed, and we went there, and he had the coon. So coon dogs do things like that, you know. And obviously this dog is is a coon dog. And I can say that it gives me a, a little bit of personal satisfaction. And I, it's not about me, but when we put together, Jerry Maul was very influential I, I, with me in putting, on, putting together the AKC rules that uh, Eric Pyatt would have hunted under when he won that hunt, World Hunt with Frogger. And we tried to make what we felt were rules that would reward the coon dog. And uh, so that's, that's gratifying to me to see. Uh, although I realize the numbers for the AKC World Hunt are not what they were for the UKC, perhaps, or the PKC. But still a very important title in my mind because I know those rules and I know uh, what it takes for a dog to win that. And uh, so, anyway, well, okay, so what influenced you to want to get a pup out of Frogger? Just going hunting with him, I'd suppose. You think? Is that it? Yeah, it's just, I didn't see anything I didn't like about him, to be honest, because mm -hmm. when, just even from the get-go, getting him out of the kennel, he didn't even put a lead strap on him. He just let his tailgate down and opened the kennel, and Frogger came out and went and jumped up on the tailgate and waited for him mm -hmm. to put his tracking collar on and then got in the box. Just, yeah. he's not out of his, out of his mind, nuts, high strung. Like he's very, very intelligent mm -hmm. for a, for a dog. And then, like I said, doing what he did in the woods and then sounding the way he does when he did it too. I mean, he yeah. treed coon and he sounded amazing doing it. Well, that's this idea of, of spelling the F sound with a PH I think that started back with, do you know the origin? Yeah, uh, Fred Bodenberg yep. with his uh, fish dog fish. spelled P-H. Yep. yep. Yeah, and there's been a lot of them. Now, Keston and I named ours Feeling Fancy, and we used the <laughs> P-H-E-E-L-I-N-G and P-H-A-N-C-Y. So we just, you know, we're just joiners, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, tell us about your pup little bit more about it uh well he's like i said he's 10 months old and i just got him a few weeks ago and birchall owns him but birchall just had i told him that if you get too many young dogs at once i'll take one and hunt it for you just because i want i want one to i'm getting a puppy eventually out of a litter mm -hmm. coming up but i want something to hunt right now because just because the way they sound and they're just a lot of fun to hunt so that's kind of I just got him a couple of weeks ago and I didn't, I'm just hunting him. I can't take credit for 
what he's doing. I'm sure he's been like most of them. He's been natural. I assume he probably started coming on. And that's one thing that you'll notice with Birchall. And he has a lot of really good young dogs right now. And that's because Frogger has been consistently reproducing that. Mm. And he said in our that podcast with him that people ask him all the time and say, I can't believe he sold this young dog or I can't believe he got rid of this dog. And said, well, if the dogs reproduce it, I know there's always going to be another one coming. And yeah. he has a bunch of dogs at his house right now. And like I said, that one he's been hunting is six months old and sounds great. And is tree and coon. I would be shocked if that one doesn't make something really special. I was going to try to uh, find that video on my phone. <laughs> Yeah. and play a little bit of it on this podcast. I'm not sure how that would work out. Probably blow the speakers out. Yeah. But they have that phenomenal squalling ball on the tree that is just unmistakable. Keston, mm -hmm. our puppy is four months old now, right? Fancy. Uh, you sent yeah, me a yeah. video a couple nights ago. You were out hunting. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about this puppy since you've had her. And I know that I, Ella and I drove up to Randy's and picked her up and brought her in the car down to you. And uh, and you've had her there now for, what, a couple months? I'd say a month and a half, two months, something like that. But uh, I've been taking her out just to get her out and let her well, – my plan was just let her follow me around, let her learn how to get through fences, cross creeks, just stuff like that, spend some time with her. And uh, first night I took her out – I mean, she's tiny. First night I took her out, she couldn't wear no garment or nothing like that. And I turned her loose, <laughs> and I thought I lost her. I couldn't find her. I mean, she left. And uh, so I finally started getting the garment on her. And she really wears me because, like I said, she's so small. She's just four months old. And she'll go in the opposite direction of my other dog on her own, 250, 300 yards, and you got to go find her if she don't come back. And uh, See why I got a young guy night. to partner with, <laughs> Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I've showed her, uh, I guess, three dead cones. The first one was down here in the yard, and she liked it. The second one was in the woods, and she went crazy over it. And the third one was just the other night uh, – Mother dog treated cone, and I left her in the dog box because he was treated in a fence line, the electric fence line. I didn't want to get her down there in that fence line and let her run into it and get shot. Well, I shot that cone out and brought it back to the truck and threw it in the bed of the truck. And on my way out of there, uh, she had never seen the cone. She didn't even know it was in the truck. I got that cone out and hooked the dog weight around it and weighed about an 80 yard drag and hung it up. And I opened the dog box and I weighed her down. She hadn't seen the cone yet. And just as soon as her, her paws hit the ground, her nose went to the ground, and she tracked that and run that and treated as the third cone she's ever seen her Yeah, and, and, you know, she didn't just blow in there, you know, 90 miles an hour and lock down, but she trailed. I watched the video. The no. video was about two and a half minutes long. And I watched her, and she used her nose all the way across that field. It was in the edge of a field, an open area, and then the yeah. – uh, he had hung it up on a pretty good sized tree up in a split 
And she just trailed that thing. I mean, it didn't take her any time to get it up there to the tree. She circled around. She smelled. She came back to the tree. She whined a time or two. She got back down, smelled some more, and then she came back and started barking at it, you know. And then when he finally went in to her, then she really, uh, really got excited about it. And when you pulled it down, she jumped right on it like, (laughs) as we'd say. Go ahead. And I... I didn't get it on video, but after I pulled it down there two on it for a second, I thought it back up right yeah, and she yeah. really went crazy. And then, uh, but I won't do that much with her. You know, I ain't going to do that a whole lot. That just, I sort of introduced her to it, but I, I'm convinced. And you, you might think I'm crazy. A lot of people might think I'm crazy. She's just four months old. But I'm convinced that if, if, if I had a feeder bucket out, which I don't, you can't feed them here. It's against the law. But if I had a feeder bucket out and she could get on a hot track and that coon wouldn't run 100, 150 yards, mm-hmm. I'm convinced she could treat. Well, I'm sure that's no four months record. Old. You know, there's been a lot of puppies at four months old that have treed on wild coon, I'm sure. But sure is impressive. And uh, there again, now, and that's out of a lone pine female uh, that's, uh, you know, bone collector and uh, and uh, Biffy Sue bred. But uh, what... What did you do with uh, this dog? Was already ten months old when you got him from virtual, uh, Clayton. Yes, yes. Uh huh. He was already treeing and just starting to tree when I got him. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything has, about virtual's methods for starting puppies? Yeah, he. Uh, what especially what he did with Frogger is he just let him run loose in his yard, and kind of treats him like a member of the family and like a yard dog. He let Frogger run loose till I think said he was like four or five months old. He started treeing squirrels and house cats around his farm. And then from that point on, he put him in a pen. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think he said it was on a six-month birthday. He took him out behind the house and turned him loose. And he ran in there and struck a track and treed just like an old dog would at six months old. <laughs> so he just kind of lets him just do, do it on their own, just develop natural. Well, Randy Smith there in Pennsylvania does the same thing, basically. He leaves the pups loose until, they, as he says, they start getting in trouble. He starts <laughs> getting calls from the neighbors and so forth, you know. He's got a little uh, Jack Russell there, Dora, that takes him on excursions and, and <laughs> you know, groundhogs and squirrels and possums and whatever. So they learn quite a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And so by the time they're four or five months old, um, you know, and and then there's going to be listeners out there that are going to hear this and say, well, my pup must not be any good because she's, you know, eight months old or getting there a year old or whatever and hasn't really done much yet. But they're all different, you know. Mm-hmm. All, but the, it does seem that these frogger pups do have a propensity for, for starting early and uh, and then just going right on. Do you know that has has he had any pups that have titled yet that you know of? Yeah, I, b- I believe he does. Mm-hmm. I think I can't remember, but he told me. I think the first litter, the I think he had four dogs, and I think three of them might have been titled out of the mm-hmm. first litter. Yeah, but well, I. We looked at his pedigree. Keston and I were talking about it last night, and uh, you know, I uh, you know he's wipeout bred basically on the top side. Um, do you know much about his pedigree? About the background of the dogs? 
Clayton? Uh, just, just what you see like on his stud ad, like the up close stuff mm-hmm. and like his bottom side is a lot of local Northwest Ohio stuff. Okay. That- the one dog there that's on the bottom side, is like a grand sire. And I can't mm. remember that dog's name. Do you have that in front of you, Keston? I can get it out of the safe He here. keeps the papers in the safe in case. Because <laughs> we, you know, we, we keep nothing but the best, he and I. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I want to ask you about one dog because I see this dog's name coming up. Uh, it's the, whoa, 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 no, that's not, read, uh, read the, uh, the grand sires on that pedigree. Okay, well, I, I'm not getting that. Can you see that? There was one dog there that I think is a local guy. It's, uh, on down the pedigree, Keston, um. Well, I Is can't it, hear you. Uh, Acres Little Joe. Hey, Acres that's Little it. Joe that's the dog that, yeah. Right. Acres yeah, Little that's Joe. the one yeah. I, I've heard of and don't know anything about him. Do you, uh, Clayton? I know the Acres family. There's Danny and I can't remember the other one, the other okay. one's name. They've had a few different dogs over the years that were pretty good and uh, the f- old female I got is actually off of Acres Little Joe too, so I mean they're yeah. bred similar, and there's a lot of those dogs on the bottom side that were like right now it's a lot of older guys that pleasure hunt a lot that just are good at breeding coon dog to coon dog. They might yeah. not necessarily put a whole bunch of stock in titles. I know the Acres do competition hunt, and they yeah. did competition hunt those yeah. dogs quite a bit, but. There's that Delta Rebel dog on the bottom, too. He was super loud, mm-hmm. real loud. I wonder if he was out of old South Stylish Rebel, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. No. Well, I, I should be better prepared on this stuff, and I will. Maybe <laughs> we'll come back around and, and, and do that. But, you know, that area of northwestern Ohio has been uh, right with good coon hunters for a long time. You mentioned Fred, uh, also Gary Bridenball. You mentioned Kurt Seibert that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had the, the Fred dog. I, I hunted with Schooner River Fred uh, many times when he was owned by Eric Fairchild and Brian Gray up in Michigan. Uh, you know, Kurt, of course, being a, an old-time plot man, had the Seibert Motto Sarge dog that mm-hmm. was a very popular plot stud dog. And, and, you know, there's just a lot of good hunters up in that area and a lot of, a lot of good dogs. And, uh, so I'm sure, uh, just probably bred coon dog to coon dog, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more than the titles. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, Keston, let's bounce back over to you. <laughs> I'll wake you up there. Uh, you worked today, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I help on he, my friends. He's, every today. once in a while he works, uh, but most <laughs> of the time he hunts. No, no, seriously, yeah. in the summertime he's working daylight to dark with a lawn service. But, but uh, this time of year you're in the woods most of the time, aren't you? Yeah, I work all summer. Uh, run my own business. I work all summer and 
I'll win her long. Right. I don't do nothing. Okay, so we got this puppy. I brought her down from Randy Smith, and I brought her to you. And what well, you know, what did she do? She uh, well, she's been in the house. Uh, I guess she's been outside for two days, maybe three days now. And uh, but she she's smart. You know, the kids play with her. She, I mean, she minds. She'll see it. She'll shake your hand. The kids teach her all this stuff. Uh, and I'll tell you something else, too. Just a few times I've had her out hunting, I can turn her loose. Like when she was staying in the house, I could let her outside to use the bathroom. I got this little cable that I'd tie her on and let her go outside and use the bathroom. And rather than going to the bathroom, she'll go out there and throw her paws up on the bumper of my truck and sit there and bark <laughs> one in the bed of the truck. <laughs> yeah. She wants yeah. to go for a it's, ride. It's pretty crazy. She... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the only thing it's got me puzzled, and uh, I'll get both y'all's opinion on it. She's four months old. You take her out, she'll get gone. I mean, like she goes. Like I, I know it sounds crazy, but she does. And uh, do you think you would be better off to hold her back a little bit, or do you think just let her go? You know, on her on her own, or do you think you know maybe I should give it a month before I. Start taking her out a lot. I don't want to burn her out. You know Go what ahead, I'm saying? Clayton, and I, you Let's know, I've, you I've got an opinion. Everybody does, but what do you think? I would say, just if it's working, keep doing what you're doing. But like, if she starts showing real signs of like coming on, don't get overexcited and then take her out every night because Birchall did a a good job explaining this and in that interview I did with him. If you got a good young dog coming on, you kind of want to treat it like a fire. You want to keep it burning. You don't want to let it burn out, but you don't want to overdo it either. So just like what I'm doing now with this pup, I'll take it out every other night or maybe if the weather's bad, like every couple of nights. I just, I don't, it just depends on the dog and the age. I would just let it be a pup from what you're describing and kind of just let it naturally do it on its own. I wouldn't try and overdo it. Well, I agree with you there, and I've we've kind of had this discussion before. I think ideally is just, you know, take her along every once in a while. Uh, when you can't spend the time during the daytime just walking them in the woods and things like that. Of course, I think she's pretty much past that stage because she gets through the fences good and gets across the creeks good and, and all that. But, yeah, I think the, the temptation is there is once these things start, you know, just pour the hunting to them, man, you know, yeah. and then you can start bragging, you know. She treated this and that by this age and, and boom, boom, boom. And I have seen in my years of experience, and I saw this especially at PKC, with the pup derbies were real popular at that time. And guys would get a good young pup, and the first thing they want to do is run for a pup ticket, which PKC mm -hmm. puts the incentive out there. You ain't going to pick up truck at the casino, <laughs> you know. So you get out there and you run, 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 run hard all all month, you know, and, and you got to go. I mean, there's a there's a thirty dollar open twenty miles down the road, and tomorrow night there's one fifty miles down the road, and the next night, and boom, boom, boom. And they burn these puppies out. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a kid, you can take him to Disney World, but if you took him every day for a month, he'd probably say, let's do something else. You know, yeah. 
I'm tired of this. And I think that that's a big temptation. You know, Kessler, go ahead, bud. I'm going to ask you another question sort of relates to this. Okay, you just talking about hunting them hunts and burning them out like that when they're young. But you hear people talk about how pleasure hunting and competition hunting is com- two completely different things. Do you think you can burn a dog up quicker competition hunting him a whole lot or pleasure hunting him too much? You want to take that, Clayton? I would say with any of this, it's just you can't know for sure. It's just the odds of something happening could be higher in whatever situation you're in. If you're putting a puppy in a three or four dog cast, there's a higher chance that something could go wrong, whether that be a person you're hunting against, not knowing what they're doing or mishandling their dog or drawing a mean dog. There's just, there's a lot higher odds of something bad happening. And this brings up a a point that Birchell made last time I hunted with him when Frogger started coming on it, it got to be about November or December when he was a puppy and he laid him up for a month or two because he started running junk. Cause that time of the year, there's, there's nothing. He started treeing coon and then he started treeing junk and running junk. So he just, he quit hunting him for a few months and then got him out in the spring. And then mm-hmm. he just took right back off and didn't mess with junk then. So, I mean, it's just, it's all about putting the odds in your favor and controlling what you can control. And I think if you put a young dog in a competition not too early, then you're just increasing the odds. I agree with you tenfold. Um, so many things come to mind right there. Uh, the controlled environment that you have with Fancy Keston by hunting her by, her, you know, just with Clyde, your pup, other pup, or by, you know, taking her on these walks and all, you, you know, you're in control pretty much, uh, you know. But when you go out there in a night hunt, when that draw comes down, you're at the mercy of those three other dogs in that cast. And I'll give a big shout out right now to my other buddy that's on the podcast, some with us, Mark Miller in North Carolina, who's taken this young plot dog of mine and uh, mine and his, I'll make that very clear, <laughs> we're co-owners, uh, and, um, and has finished his night champion title and got him qualified for the tournament champions, you know, right at a year old. He was just a few days over a year old when he, he got his fifth win. Actually, he had a PKC win. Uh, so he's got six night hunt cast wins. And he's just now turning 14 months old. But Mark was all about what you just said, Clayton. He was about going to the hunt, haul the dog, maybe take his grand night champion along, see what the entry was going to be. If it was going to be four-dog cast and he didn't really know the dogs that were in the cast and stuff, he'd just hold him back and not enter. If it was, uh, you know, a, a two sometimes, with us nowadays, sometimes a two-dog <laughs> cast or a three-dog cast, and he had a pretty good feeling about the dogs. He, and that worked really well for him because we have not had the dog run off a tree, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one night they did have... Um, a party uh, chasing deer. <laughs> and yeah. I think fever was probably as much the offender in that as anything else <laughs> in the cast. You know, I think he was all about that that night. And why, I don't know, because he hasn't really done it. He didn't do it before or since. But the point being is um, 
when you put them out there in a night hunt at a very young age, you're taking a big chance. Mm-hmm. Again, I've got all kinds of stories, and I, I hope people will bear with me. I had the Kelly female out of Silver Dollar Stone and Molly that I mentioned earlier. When she was young, tried to get qualified for the super stakes. I needed to get 101 on her. Took her to a hunt up in Michigan. She did really good in the early round, scored five-something. Came in <laughs> high-scoring dog in the early round. It was a, I think it was a 500 added, something like that, at Maple Rapids, Michigan. Well, I was ready to take my split and go home. I was qualified. I had the money I needed. You know, well, lo and behold, they wanted to hunt it off. And it was a dog, an old female up there, and I won't mention any names, but she had the rep. She was she was ouchy. She was rough. Let's just call it what it is. She was rough, and I, you know, so get out there the first tree we made. Mine gets run off a tree. Well, mm-hmm. instead of just going on and finding the coon, she gets over here and jealous trees over in another tree over here, fifty feet away or something. Nothing on it. You know, I knew what she was doing. And the whole uh-huh. time that she's treeing on this tree, she's looking at the other tree where this, <laughs> that she just got run off of, you know. And that ingrained in that female her entire life when she would tree, she'd throw that head over to look to see what the other dog was going to do. Mm-hmm. And you would almost think that she was face barking that dog, but honestly she wasn't. She was just always wary of what that other mm-hmm. dog was going to be doing. And that was from the time she was just a year, year and a half old or whatever. So, yeah, to answer your question, Keston, I, I think you definitely can hunt them too much. I think about what you're doing with Fancy right now. It seems to be, as Clayton said, it's working. It's about right. She's she's picking. <laughs> she's finally gotten big enough to wear a T5 collar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's pushing it. We need a yeah. men. We need a mini on her. Really, is what, what yeah. she needs. Yeah. But uh, well, this pup that you've got, this ten ten month old, uh, is he going to have? Has he shown any cold trailing ability, or is he like him really hot? He's training on short tracks. He's too young to be asking yeah. these questions. But I just wonder if he's showing any of this stuff. Well, to be honest, for this time of year, doing what he's doing, he's it's he's tracking and treeing. He's not. That, he yeah. doesn't have an opportunity to have a hot track right, right now. Right. That's well, true. and if once it gets to be about April, then I'll I'll know. But right now, he's striking tracks and using his nose and treeing it the way you'd want one to do. All right. Right. For sure. Well, I certainly wish Mr. Davis, I, I don't think I've personally met Birchwell. In all my years, I'm sure I've been in the same room with him somewhere at a night hunt. And uh, I do need to uh, to talk with him and, uh, and uh, certainly want to congratulate him. And I think, is his wife involved with the dogs? Is she the one that keeps the Facebook page going or... It seems like in Facebook there's there's a, a another name in there. Yeah, he doesn't have a personal Facebook page. He uses his daughter Katie. His daughter. He uses her oh, Facebook. Okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So that's how he responds to people mm-hmm. in his Facebook group. Well, he did have the dog at Autumn Oaks, and I did get to look at the mm-hmm. dog. Yeah, and uh, man, I tell you, he's not a big dog, really. Uh, well, no, I'd say he's a 
average. average size. Doesn't have a great big head, but boy, he generates a lot of sound <laughs> out of that head, doesn't he? Yeah. How would you describe this frogger voice on these dogs? Keston and I were talking the other day about it, and I, I said it sounds like a that that obnoxious buzzer on a fire truck when it's coming through an <laughs> intersection. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh, it's hard telling because a lot of them do sound like that. They just have that. It's just a long scream that just yeah. you can tell they're they're trying to be as loud as they can be. Like it's a hundred percent. And there's some other ones I've haunted with a couple of really nice females that when they tree, they actually, they sound like that, but they're more of a chop mouth on tree. So some of them do yeah, chop. Kind of lost the, you there for Charlie second. Atkins uh, is hunting Clayton. one for Chad Showalter. That's a I pretty nice young female. Clayton. Oh, there you, uh, we had a little hiccup there. Uh, Clayton, go back over that again. Uh, you said you hunted with a couple females that are trying to sound like that, but. But they have that real loud mouth, but they're more of a chopped tree dog. And I said that uh, Charlie Adkins is hunting a female out of Frogger for Chad Showalter. And she has a really nice locate and her locate sounds more like that scream that they all do. But when she trees, she's a real, real, very good chop tree dog. So she chops more. So I'd say the ones I've been in the woods with, I'd say 60 to 70% of them have that more of a scream when they tree, but there are some out there that do chop. Yeah. What about their mouth on the ground? Do they exhibit that kind of mouth on the ground or is it just in the tree? <laughs> on the ground, it, when they open up, it gives you goosebumps, honestly. <laughs> when I when I went hunting that last time with him and he cut that six month, it, like I said, it's a six month old pup. And you know what a six-month-old pup looks like. He's just a little dog, and he took off in there. And when he opened up, just Whoa, just <laughs> echoed the whole woods. And I thought, that is Frogger, Frogger sounds a little deeper. And then Frogger opened up because he was hunting them together. I thought, oh, but this pup sounds just as loud as the four-year-old world champion in there. Yeah. So, I mean, on the ground, they, I could – they don't open on the ground a lot, but even if they did, I wouldn't mind listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> they they they're they're good track dogs. They run a track open and they're loud on track and they're pretty easy to tell when they're treed. Yeah, yeah. That uh I that's another question I hadn't really thought about. I wonder since they do throw that ball intermittently when while they're treeing, that that incredibly loud screaming ball i would call it um do they have a distinctive locate the ones you've hunted with or is that pretty much their locate when you hear that they have a pretty good locate it's more the ones i've hunted with it's more of it's drawn out a lot longer and you can tell there's more of an emphasis on it and then when they're treed it's pretty much just if they're a ball mouth tree dog it's pretty much just constant sound yeah. where normally when they're on track they're they open and then they're quiet for a little bit and then they you can you can tell they're tracking but once they tree it's just bah, bah, it's just constant yeah. roaring in there yeah well Keston's uh power pack bred uh, dog is a ball mouth tree dog and he's got a real loud it's not the frogger uh tone you know mm -hmm. but he's a ball mouth dog and and it is 
And pretty much, uh, how do you distinguish Clyde's trailing mouth from his tree mouth, Kessler? He does it. Com- he does it completely backward from what I like. He chops <laughs> on the ground, falls on the tree. He, uh, there ain't no mistaking it when he's treed. You know he's treed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there just ain't no. It's pretty wild. Well, way back I did a an interview with Tom Hopkins, who owned House of Slipper down in Texas. And he was talking about one night that, and I believe the dog that they were hunting that night was House's Lawyer. I'll have to go back and look at the manuscript or the the story to make sure to double check myself. But uh, if I'm wrong, sue me. What can I say? (laughs) But uh, Tom was laughing about hunting with the late Timothy Ball one night. And this dog was treed, we'll call him lawyer, was treed in a thicket. And Tim was hacking his way in there to get to the dog. And when he got into the tree, he said, the dog's trying to bite me. And what was <laughs> happening was he was just throwing that head back with that screaming ball, you know, well, and it sounded like he was had blood in his eye. <laughs> and that's kind of what this sounds like to me. I It sounds like the dog is saying to the coon, oh, man, you are in deep <laughs> doo-doo right now. Because uh, I've found you. I know where you are, and uh, you cannot hide. But it, it's great when a dog like this comes along, gets people excited about the sport, it's great. It's doubly great when it belongs to a nice person like a nice mm-hmm. hunter like Birchwell, by all reports that he is. And it, it's just good for the game all the way around. And right now it's good for Keston and me because we got hopes as high as the sky for this little <laughs> female. Uh, I watched the video of her the other night, you know, trailing that coon that she had not seen. All she had was the scent of that coon on the ground. And then had the the sense, I guess, the good sense or the instinct to stay there in that area where that track ran out until she found that coon up over her head, and then she treed on it. You know, so I guess mm-hmm. that's what coon dogs do. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Any special things that you've uh, remember or about your conversations with Birchall or seeing hunting with his dog or or anything that, you know, would be of interest to our, our listeners? Uh, just I hope you can get in touch with them because I know the dog's story, but I'd like more people to get to know Birchall because he's kind of, I don't he's kind of, since I'm posting so much, people ask me a lot of questions about him. And like I said, I just show his, his dog's, for what they do. And he's completely hundred percent responsible for it. And I appreciate him letting me hunt the young dogs and taking me hunting because like you said, it's good for the sport. It's good for him. And it's, I think it'll really help the Walker breed years from now. Cause like you said, he had the, just the dogs have natural instinct and brains and they sound great. Um, but yeah, that's, just about it. Well, yeah, of course, and I really appreciate because I've kind of put you on the spot here. But here's what I wanted to do when I when when we started down this road was, you know, 
I can line guys up down the street here that want to get on a podcast and break about their dog. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, the old saying about the guy that wrote the ad for the coon dog, mm-hmm. you know, and he talked about all this dog's attributes and, and all, and he read it back to his wife or had his wife read it back to him. And he <laughs> says, man, I've wanted a dog like that all my life. I believe I'll just keep him. You know? So, but, so what, you know, this is, it's better when somebody else that's been a witness uh, mm-hmm. to the to the dog's performance and so forth tells the story. Yeah. And something else I want the audience to know too, I, I when I post videos of these dogs, a lot of people say like, I don't, I don't necessarily like walkers, but if I had a chance of owning one like this, I wouldn't mind having one. And I just want everyone to know that Burchell and his dad actually raised some really nice red ticks. They actually hunted English for their whole life, I'm pretty sure, up until they got Frogger. And Frogger came from Burchell's son's female, was a walker. So, I mean, they were English guys. And then there's a lot of people that hunt other breeds. And then if they get a chance to go in the woods with this dog and hear him and see what he does, they they don't care what color he is. They want one. <laughs> right, exactly. What was it that turned you on about the Walker breed, Keston? That's all I've ever hunted with my whole life. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't guess I've – I was telling you I'd like to hunt with somebody that had a good red bone. I've never seen a red bone tree cane. I've been in the woods with them, but I've never seen one tree cane. I used to hear I'm, that about I'm, plots all the time. I've hunted <laughs> – I've hunted – I've hunted with uh, – I've seen a few good blue dogs. Yeah. And uh, – I had a good pot dog one time, and uh, I ain't never hunted no uh, red tick, no English dogs, mm-hmm. nothing like that. I used to always love it when they would say, man, your dog did a good job tonight. And then there, here comes the dagger for a plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But I, I, will, I will say something here. Between Frogger and uh, Clayton's YouTube channel, and this is just something that I want to tell you. I know a guy that hasn't coon hunted in probably 10 years. He's a little older than me. And uh, he got out of coon hunting and started rabbit hunting. He's been rabbit hunting for about 10 years. And he found your YouTube channel. And he watched the Frogger episode. And he's looking for a puppy out of Frogger. <laughs> Done brought him back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll put in a little disclaimer here. We are not being paid by Mr. Birchell Davis to talk <laughs> about his dog. In fact, no. We Kessler and I got a pretty good tab run up on puppies <laughs> here in the last last year or so. And but uh, quality never comes cheap. And no. you know, and it's all it pleases me to see the price on coonhound puppies getting to a point where the, it's respectable for the breeder who puts all the mm-hmm. time, the effort. Anybody's raised a litter of puppies lately knows it's not cheap to raise no. a litter of pups. If you factor in, you know, the searching for a stud dog, maybe going hunting with that dog, getting arranging to have the dog bred either artificially or, or na- uh, natural cover, uh, and then getting those pups in the world – worming them, uh, giving them all their vaccinations, feeding them a quality food, advertise. Of course, most of our advertising now is on 
internet. But, you know, it's not a cheap proposition. And it always bugged me to see coonhound pups selling for $150, $200 and poodles selling for $2,500, you yeah. know. So I, I'm i not one that's going to complain about the prices that breeders are uh, charging for their pups if they do their homework, you know, mm-hmm. if they're a breeder and they're again, I've, I've talked about him a lot of times, but Randy Smith, I know he, you know, he puts in the time, he does the, he has uh, selects, you know, good stud dogs, and, and uh, there's a lot of breeders like that out there. But I, my advice to a young fella, anybody right now that's looking for a good quality pup, think about what you want, what kind of dog you like. You know, do you want a a, a go yonder ambush dog? You know, it's going to be out in the next zip code all the time. Well, you can find that out there. There's guys that are breeding. But if you want a dog that you can hunt the woods out with and go back home and watch the news, there's breeders that are breeding that kind too. And, and do your homework. Figure out what you want, number one. And then, you know, seek out a good reputable reputable breeder, somebody that's been around a while. Uh, breed no handy, though, ready. Does not qualify a guy as, as, a, as a coonhound breeder, you know, so... I'll get off the stump on that. Fellas, it's been an hour, and I've kept both of you out of the woods. I know you probably want to go hunting. But uh, it's been great talking with you guys again. And, uh, Clayton, I wish you the very best of luck with your YouTube channel. I think you did touch on some of your plans that you've got coming up, and we want to definitely watch that. And I need to get tuned in and listen uh, more to your podcast. Uh I don't travel as much as I used to, and that's always the best time to listen to podcasts. Um, During these holidays, uh, Ella kind of has my days planned out. She wants to go here and there and (laughs) so forth, so I don't really have that time to listen uh, like I'd really like to. But I am going to start tuning in more, and I want to congratulate you on the job you've done in the past and and believe me, there's a lot of guys like me out here that really enjoy it. So just want, Thank you. want you to know that. Keston, what's going on? You going to the woods? Well, I don't know. I'm downstairs here in the house. I don't know if it's still raining or not, but it's it. if there's a chance, I get an hour or two, it ain't raining, I'll be going to the woods, yeah. Yeah. He sends me videos, too, <laughs> uh, Clayton. He, uh, he keeps – he and Mark Miller kind of keep me in the game, I'm – 76 now i don't know how that happened uh but <laughs> believe me <laughs> believe me it starts to tell on the old bones when you get out there yeah. and start walking in the woods but you know this coon hunting has been a great thing for me all my life i'm very grateful for the coon hunters and the living that they provided for me with the registries and all that but it's the best part about it is in the people we meet. And Clayton, I count you one of those. I certainly wish you the best. I'm going to try to bring Miss Ella on here in a minute after you guys. I let you guys go and and just uh, send out a, a Christmas greeting to all of y'all. But uh, that's Southern for that's plural for y'all, all y'all. <laughs> yes, because you're you're from Ohio, Clayton, so you might not. Yeah. understand. <laughs> Anything to say, guys, before we go? Uh, I was going to ask Clayton if uh, he's going to the Grand American. Um, I 
I want to, but my wife is pregnant. Oh, and I don't know if I can. Yeah, you need to be close I, to home, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I got that. Well, and it's uh, I checked today. Actually, it's eleven and a half hour drive for me, so that would be yeah. a, a pretty long trip. Yeah, by myself. <laughs> I remember when my son was born, and I was told that he was going to be born the first of November, first part of November. I said, "No, that won't work." That's right in the middle of coon season. We can't do yeah. that. <laughs> but, but it happens. Well, congratulations. And which one? Well, how many is this for you? Or is it the first one? No, you have. It'll be our third. Third. That's be great. Our, yep. Fantastic. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up. Somebody asked you down the road, where's Steve Fielder, that old beat up, worn out coon hunter? Where is he? He said, well, of course, he's gone to the dogs. Friends, I wanted to take this opportunity to bring the person that makes Christmas such a special time for me every year, the lady that I live with, my wife, Ella, to the microphone and together to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. How are you doing, honey? I'm doing fine. I have Louie right here beside me. Louie. Louie is a Christmas story, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's the best present I got. <laughs> Last year, Ella, through our daughter Jackie, uh, sent a one of those kind of messages that we get this time of year at Christmas that she was ready for another dog. Of course, I've had the hounds and all that, and she's been very understanding about them. So we went on a search for a miniature dachshund. Why did we want a dachshund? Because they're wonderful dogs. Oh, come on. Why did we? Well, I had a dachshund many years ago named Heidi, and she was the best dog I've ever had. And now I have Louie, who is equally the best dog I've ever had. <laughs> he's handsome. Oh, my. He's funny. He's energetic. He's stubborn. All the things I'm not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he is a very loving, sweet dog. Yeah. Well, this time last year, uh, the word got out that Ella wanted a dog for Christmas. A puppy, and it was, had to be a dachshund. And at first it started out, it had to be a dapple-colored dachshund. And a female. And a female, because Heidi, that you had years ago, was a, was a female, yes. right? Yes. So we went through some scammers online that had puppies for sale. We soon found out that they were scammers. They would show you pictures of the dog, and then they'd want you to send them a down payment and then the rest when you picked up the dog, which I soon learned that I didn't do that, but I soon figured it out that that earnest money that you sent along was not going to be there when you went to, went to get our... Neither was, was the dog. Neither <laughs> was the dog. So anyway, through our good friend online... Uh, LaDonna out in Missouri uh, told us about a breeder in Richmond, Indiana, which is a town I'm very familiar with because of Autumn Oaks every year. And uh, we uh, found out about uh, Tyler Stroh. 
And he's a black and tan coonhound enthusiast and uh, found out that he breeds uh, dachshunds. So somehow we went from a dapple female to a black and tan male. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I wouldn't trade him for all the dapples in the world. Yeah, tell uh, the listeners about how the pictures and all and how you... Kind of decided. I looked at what Tyler had, and at that time he only had one left, and it was a male, black and tan, that he said would probably get to be more than 15 pounds, which is not a miniature. That's a limit limit for a miniature, right? No, the limit for a miniature is 11 pounds. 11. So 15 pounds, he's he's considered a tweeny. Right. I'm not quite sure Louie is a tweenie <laughs> because he keeps growing. He yeah. certainly is not what you would call a miniature dachshund. Right. But he, he's a long-haired guy. He's got long hair on his ears and on the end of his tail, and his hair's a little thicker than normal. But anyway, Louie came to live us, with us last year. I went up to... Dayton, Ohio, grabbed a rental car and, and uh, at the airport and went over and picked up Louie and drove him all the way back to Florida about about this time last year, wasn't the eight, it? The 19th is when you brought him yeah, home. Yeah, well, this podcast is going to air on the 19th oh, okay. of December, so how about that? But anyway, he's been a real joy to us. We've enjoyed him a lot. He Chases the squirrels around here, but I don't think he's going to be a tree dog. He likes to chase them, but when they go up the tree, he just kind of looks at them. But anyway, uh, Ella, I just wanted you to come on and uh, join with me here to thank the folks. It's it's going on four years that I've been doing these podcasts, and I've really enjoyed them, and you've been very, uh, very supportive. Supportive, yeah, you actually have. Well, and, I love it when you do things that you're passionate about and you and you love doing. That makes you happy, which makes me happy. Yeah, I tell you, folks, you need to find somebody that makes you happy. And Ella and I both uh, seem to agree that we've done that. And but Christmas time is a special time. We'd like to be with each of our family members. I have. My son Christopher and his wife Teresa and our our granddaughter Chloe up in the Chicagoland area, and then uh, Ella, you've got two daughters in New Jersey. Yes, and we got to see Susan and Alyssa a couple of weekends yeah, ago they for came, her birthday. Right, that was cool. They came down, and spent some time with us, and Alyssa's a senior in high school. Hard to believe. I know. Yeah, and of course. They lived here in Florida, and then they broke our hearts by moving yes, back they up did. to New Jersey, where Susan was born. But and then uh, your eldest daughter, our our daughter Kathy, and husband Joe, and two children, Tiffany and Nikki, are up in New Jersey as yep. well. So and then we have the blended family of the Dightwigs here That's in, right. in Florida. Uh, number three daughter, Jackie. Her husband, Steve, and uh, Steve brought two children into their marriage, Aiden and Chloe, and then Jackie had our Tyler and Caitlin. So so we got lots of family. Um, this was a, 
a, a tough year in that my brother Randy and I lost our mother, who uh, amazingly lived to be 100 years and 11 days old. That was back in March. So uh, it, it will be uh, a sad remembrance of mom, uh, you know, at, at Christmas time. But any uh, anyway, rate, it's uh, Christmas in Florida for us. We're going to have family here with, with Jackie and Steve and their kids. And so we just want to take this opportunity to wish each of you a very Merry Christmas. I hope to see many of you at the Grand American, which will be the weekend after New Year's. And uh, Ella, what say you to the audience? Oh, I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, the happiest of New Year's. And I hope that everyone is as happy as you and I are with our little dog, Louie, and our family and our home here. That's right. And, of course, with my friends Mark Miller up in North Carolina and Keston Jesse in Virginia, I have the Coonhounds up there with those guys. So still have that connection very much. But uh, Louie's being a little rascal here. Uh, he's, he's squirming. He's realizing that he's not getting the attention that he wants so Amen. I, I guess we better cut this off but uh join me ellen let's let's tell the uh, uh listeners merry, merry christmas, christmas and a happy, happy new, new year, year.